Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot com. And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Jonathan. Yes, William. Seeing as the QE2 episode of Keeping Up Appearances is obviously so popular and iconic, surely we should do something similarly iconic. Like what? Well, how about we record it on the actual QE2? William, that's now moored in Dubai. It's a very long way to go. Well, Jonathan, anything can happen if you let it. Hello and welcome to possibly the most exciting episode of Keeping Up Appearances, the luxury podcast yet. As you know, this is the companion podcast for exploring the world of Hyacinth Bouquet in the hit BBC sitcom Keeping Up Appearances. My name's Jonathan Vernon-Smith and with me, hand-picked from Debrett, is William Hansen. Yes, we're here because, as you know, we absolutely love Hyacinth and her world in Keeping Up Appearances, and we want you to enjoy it all as much as we do. And this episode is very special. Usually, in each episode of this luxury podcast, William and I will take you through an episode of Keeping Up Appearances, delving deep into the world of the bouquets. But we've now reached a discussion of the 1993 Christmas special, Sea Fever, Arguably the best ever episode of the BBC sitcom, largely filmed on board the QE2. So, for our own accompanying chat, we knew there was only one option, but to embark on our own luxury cruise. Yes, 30 years later, we're on board the actual QE2 bucket heads, and we'll be talking about this very special episode over two episodes of our podcast. Before we go any further... Just take us through the synopsis, if you would, William. Hyacinth and Richard prepare for their luxury stay on the QE2. Traffic problems, a muddy field and too much luggage result in a disastrous start to the holiday. They are too late to board the ship at Southampton, and it leaves without them. But they finally board the ship by flying to meet it at Copenhagen. Once on the ship, Hyacinth believes that Onslow and Daisy are also on board the luxury liner as stowaways. What an episode. Here we go. So this is, um, I think, the first hour-long episode that Keeping Up Appearances did. There's another one coming next, Angel Gabriel Blue. More on that uh, in next week's episode. Uh, But they only did two one-hour episodes. This was the first. And it is. Everyone loves this episode. It's the best. Yes. The best ever episode. I I, I have said, I say this a lot, This, even if you don't really like Keeping Up Appearances or you are not as familiar with Keeping Up Appearances as we are, this is a great episode. It is. It's, it's got it all. 
And here we are, we're in one of the bars at the QE2, which, as we say, is now it's a hotel uh, in Dubai. A luxury hotel, executive. No riffraff, no stowaways. No, we are here officially. We yes, are. We're, not, we're not stowing away. And uh, you too can come and stay here. So if you want to walk in the footsteps of Hyacinth, Richard, and to a lesser extent, Daisy Lonslow. As we have, over the last 24 hours, William and me have been, I think, probably like a couple of weirdo stalkers. <laughs> Appearing in the most unlikely places. Getting very excited. I got very excited earlier today when we found the the doors that, uh, we'll talk about this later on, uh, or in next week's <laughs> episode, the doors where Hyacinth sees Daisy Lonslow at the captain's cocktail party. They're quite nondescript now, but I found them. And that was very exciting. <laughs> and you photographed them. I photographed them. It's just finding these little moments. And actually, what I'm like, what I do like about the ship in its current life as a hotel, permanently moored, it doesn't doesn't move. Um, and perhaps, I mean, I never went on the QE2 before it was here in Dubai. But maybe if when this was a, a ship operated by Cunard, you probably couldn't go everywhere that we've gone. There were probably certain flaws, unless you were on the top price ticket, you probably couldn't go into certain areas. I think it was quite rank, you know, oh no, your ticket, you only have... Well, it says, in, even in the episode, you know, you're, you're in the Mauritania restaurant, man. To be fair, though, we did enter one or two doors that said crew only. Yes. And nobody stopped us. Um, <laughs> so we didn't get, get up to anything wrong. We're just, you know... In many just, ways, we are like the crew. Yes, exactly. exactly. So, I, yeah, that's what I'm liking is the fact that it's you can sort of go anywhere, basically, mm. within reason. Um, so that's terribly exciting. This episode begins at Wayne Elm. Yes. I thought I heard the postman. And we have a lovely scene with the postman, don't we? We do, yes. Uh, the postman, he's plucking up the courage to post the letter through the door, as he, he often does, a sort of a typical postman uh, skit. And uh, Hyacinth is wondering whether it is the usual postman. And she says, are you the one with the twitch? And of course, he turns around and twitches. And then she says, ah, oh, yes, she recognises. Have you ever worked with anyone with a twitch? Um, no, I don't think I have. Have you? Oh, I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we I, well, I won't name the person, but I named I, I did work with somebody with a twitch. Um, who is a radio presenter, and he has quite a profound twitch. Oh. So much so that one day he was pre-recording a, a radio show, and one of my colleagues saw him in the other studio, and he was twitching so violently, he thought he was being electrocuted, ran in and pushed him away from the, from the desk with a broom. <laughs> Literally, he was on a wheelie chair, pushed him away. <laughs> and then what was the conversation after that? I don't really know. He just came, he said to me, this was many years ago. He said, I'm mortified. I thought he was being electrocuted. I pushed him away with a broom. <laughs> hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, well, the postmen, they all look the same from the back, apparently. <laughs> yeah, they do. <did. laughs> Must be the sorting office. Um, I'm very friendly with my post, post people. Are you? We have a team of. We them. have a postwoman. You have a postwoman, yeah. yes. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say any of them twitch. Oh no, my my postwoman definitely doesn't twitch. No. But the reason why the the postman is very important at the mm. beginning of this episode is, of course, Hyacinth wants to ensure that all of her post is redirected to the QE two. The QE two. She's going on holiday to the QE two, so she must have her post redirected. Uh, which I don't think you could actually have physically done. Probably not. Although we did find a post box on board ship. 
Yes, you can probably have things sent out, presumably, but I don't know about... Do you think the postman with the twitch arrives in a little dinghy alongside? Yes, in Contessa (laughs) 2. There is actually uh, moored up by uh, the QE2 here in Dubai, there is actually what is quite a nice super yacht, but of course compared to the QE2, it's absolutely tiny, so it is a bit like Birth birth 21. Mm, It is. The postman and the QE2 bit, though, is quite important because, of course, it sets the scene as to where we're going on this episode. Mm. And there's also that lovely moment where the postman, he finally manages to escape Hyacinth and she shouts down the road, you won't forget, you know, the QE2! Don't shout! People think I'm trying to broadcast it, she says. Yes, and that man standing there, do we assume that's Mr Hislop? Possibly. Who only has a C registration. Yes. But she wants the neighbours to know she's going on the QE2, of course. Yes. Then we cut off to Onslow and Daisy's bedroom. We see them in their normal habitat. And to be fair, I, so when I watched this episode ahead of coming here, uh, Mikey was sitting watching it with me. And he and, and I do think it's a great line, one of Daisy and Onslow's better pieces of dialogue, where Onslow wakes up and says, oh, I've had a terrible night. And Daisy says, I know, I was there. <laughs> and, and Mikey really roared at that. And I said, it is a funny line. He went, yes, I know, because it's I, as a married couple, like that is the sort of conversation you have. Um, and I think, again, that's although we, we maybe give Daisy and Onslow a bit of stick from time to time in this podcast, like, OK, whatever, get, get, on, get on to Hyacinth. There are some really good, as we've said before, gems with the, that three that you get they're they're having a bit of crisp chat at that time as well yes can you remember the flavor of crisps the onslow bacon no prawn cocktail no egg roll and dumpling flavor oh god yes they're the crisps that uh, onslow is eating are you are you a lover of a smelly crisp no no neither am i ready salted i can do yes i I can do, and they are smelly crisps, but I can cope with a smoky bacon or a steak-flavoured real McCoy's. What I will not tolerate is salt and vinegar or cheese and onion. And in fact, I've been in a pub before where people have opened a bag of those and I want to punch them in the face. (laughs) I'm not a violent person, (laughs) but I want to punch them firmly in the face. You've got very strong opinions on crisps. I have. I'd ban them. As I've said to you, if I become Prime Minister one day, there are lots of things I will ban. Salt and vinegar crisps, cheese and onion crisps, two of those types of crisps I will ban. Yes. So make the most of them now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at the rate we're going, you will be Prime Minister very soon. (laughs) And really, there are no other bigger issues that Britain has other than crisps. No, no. that's right. So we'll, we'll just do that. They think Daddy's dead. Yes. Rose doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. She's no. Really, she's in two scenes, no. and that's it. I'm sure Mary Miller got a very good fee for that, uh, but for very little work. Have you ever thought anyone was dead? No. Have you not? No, I don't think You've so. never discovered anyone and thought they might be dead? I've never seen a dead body. Have you not? No, have you? Oh, I've seen multiple dead bodies in oh. my time, yeah. One of my, um, my neighbours... So I, I'm probably going to have to change some names in the telling of this story. Absolutely fine. Is that OK? Yes. So in fact, I've, it's encouraged for legal reasons. So I've got a friend and neighbour who will call Sally. Mm-hmm. Hello, Sally. And... My friend and neighbour, Sally, she was looking after an elderly lady's dog in my village. Let's call her, for the purposes of this story, Mildred. (laughs) And she used to go around and walk Mildred's dog every day. Yes. 
And one day I got a phone call from her and she said, Jonathan, I think Mildred's dead. And I said, <laughs> why do you think she's dead? And she said, well, she's lying in bed and her mouth's a bit open. <laughs> and she looks a bit dead. What I later found out mm. from one of my other neighbours who went to the house just to establish that indeed Mildred was dead, God rest her soul, um, was that my friend Sally, when she turned up to walk this lady's dog, <laughs> she went into the bedroom, at which point Mildred was there in the bed. <laughs> she said, would you like a cup of tea and a crumpet? <laughs> She didn't get any response, but she thought she's having a nap. <laughs> so she went downstairs and made her a cup of tea and a crumpet. Oh, my God. She took the tea and crumpet back upstairs <laughs> and said, Mildred, I've made you a cup of tea and a crumpet. Mildred still didn't seem that interested. And Sally did not twick. So Sally didn't, twi- she didn't realise. So she waved the crumpet under Mildred's nose. Still, there was nothing. So she thought, well, she's obviously very, very asleep. So I'll go and walk the dog. So she went off to walk the dog. She came back from walking the dog. And the tea and crumpet was still sitting next to Mildred untouched. So she tried to put a bit of crumpet. (laughs) She she thought, if I could get to just eat a bit of crumpet... That might bring her around. So she tried to put a bit of crumpet. <laughs> and Sally Jones didn't think she's dead. And it was only when she couldn't get the crumpet in Mildred's mouth that she thought to touch her. And at that point realised Mildred, God rest her soul, was dead. Never treat another crumpet. <laughs> she took the dog out for an hour and a half. <laughs> Poor Mildred, she was probably still savable when she first arrived. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that crumpet didn't oh, get away. Anyway, unlike Mildred, Daddy's not dead. No. Fear not. Exactly. We cut back to Hyacinth's hallway. Uh, she's on the phone to the newspaper because she's got an interesting news item. She's not sure if it's news or features. I suppose it's a little bit of both, really. If you were... I mean, she, she thinks she's famous, which is why she's going to be in the, in the paper yeah. that she's going on this cruise. And in many ways, she probably was famous. Yes. <laughs> um, but not famous for the newspaper. But no. obviously, you are of note because you, you, you broadcast on BBC Three Counties and previously BBC Northampton. Um, if you were going to be famous, though, for anything other than your radio show, let's just pretend you're not a radio presenter, what would you like to be famous for? Oh, my word. I don't know. Why have you got something in mind for me? Cleaning. Cleaning? Yes. Oh, there's plenty of people who do that already. Mm. True. I follow them all on Instagram. Yes. Yes. They make me feel filthy. They do. Yeah, I know the ones you mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the ones who mop their skirting boards three times a day. Yes. Mm. Do you not mop your skirting boards? Once a week. Oh, okay. Mm. Mm. With a damp rag. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, okay. Well, then we'll, we'll, come, we'll, we'll work on that. Oh, okay. What else is Jonathan going to be famous I thought famous you'd have for? some ideas apart from that for me. But, well, um, probably punching people in the face that eat crisps. If it wasn't etiquette, what would you be famous for? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be famous for 
my generosity. Oh, my word. I give and I give. <laughs> Pass the zip bucket. Illiterate hack. Onslow and Daisy is still in bed. Well, just just before we go to Onslow and Daisy, um, Hyacinth on the phone is talking about she's going to do sung highlights from Rosemary, or that that's what she's famous for. Yeah. Rosemary, it was a 1924 Broadway musical by Oscar Hammerstein, but not Richard Rodgers, uh, Otto Harback. And its most famous song in that is a song that we're familiar with Hyacinth singing. It's the Indian love song, When I'm Calling You. But she doesn't sing that in this episode. She sings that in a previous one. But that is Rosemary, for a little bit of context. No one particularly famous that we know was in it, but it was 1924. Now, it's at this moment when we we cross to Onslow and Daisy that we establish that Daddy, thank goodness, is not dead. Onslow's got to go and sort out Bruce's drains. Yes, and in Harold Snow's book, uh, it's Bouquet, Not Bucket which we have just inches away from us in the QE2. Mm. He says that in the original script <laughs> that Roy Clark wrote, there was an entire scene and sequence of that drain, of, of them sorting out Bruce's drains in the morning, and then by sort of early afternoon, they were on board the QE2. And Harold Snow went, well, that just doesn't make sense. That, no. that wouldn't. How would they get from the Midlands all the way through to Southampton. Mm. So it was cut and it just is... We, we have the, the remains of that, of that dialogue. Do you clean your drains? Well, do you know what? I was going to tell you a story because... Do you remember last winter I had a rodent that was living in my luxury cavity yes. walls? And he was trying to eat his way out. Do you remember? Yeah. And, and did you only have one? Yes, it was only one. Because that's very odd, isn't it's it? It's very odd. Yes. He was a young male who used to come and visit... And I'm not quite sure what he was ever trying to find in my home. But he used to come in of an evening and make the most terrible racket. It was awful. Anyway, I got my luxury pest controller in. Mm. And he suggested that I should have my drains checked with an executive CCTV camera. So um, this team came round. Team of professionals. With their special rods and their thing that they put down the drains. And of course, me being me, I was thinking, oh my word, when they take off the cap for the drain cover, I hope it smells nice. <laughs> because, you know, it's a bit like... Have well, you ever had a plumber round for a block toilet or something like that? I've had a plumber round, but not for a block toilet. Well, I had one once for a block toilet, and it's very embarrassing. So as they came round, they lifted off the cap. I demanded before they approached it that they allow me just to check it for aroma. And do you know what? It was one of the proudest moments of my life. As they undid that cap, and I put my nose over it, and I went... <laughs> I could smell Spanish cleaning products. Oh. It smelt of Spain. My drains smell of, smell of Spain. Did I they? can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> My drains smell, smell of, of Spain. Spain. Yeah. It's like a tongue twister. It is. Yes. Well, it's better than smelling like, you know, Venice in the summer. That's true. I will not be outdressed by the other passengers. We're in Hyacinth's hallway. It's the following morning. Yes, rare occasion of subtitles. Yes. Yeah, the little captions or whatever. Following morning, it says. And this is the first time we get to glimpse Hyacinth's set of matching executive luggage with the genuine leather embellishments and initials. You wrote that down too, did you? I did. Yes, I did as well. Um, How many cases were there in total? Did you count? (laughs) No. You did though, didn't you? I did, yes. How many? Twelve. Oh, 12 cases. Absolutely hilarious. Your luggage that you've brought doesn't have any genuine leather embellishments and initials, but it is executive. Oh, yes. Yes, it's very nice. Red. It is red. Although we did have to wait a very long time for our luggage at Dubai Airport. I I was beginning to worry. At 1am in the morning. 
I have my luggage, as you know, tagged. Yes. So I was able to detect that it was indeed here with us in Dubai, mm. but it was half a mile away for quite a, a long time while we stood at that carousel, wasn't it? Mm. And are you a light packer, generally? No. No, no I've... Um, I mean, we've only come here for a few days, but I've come... I could, I could survive here for a week, at least. Yes. Mm. Yes. Options. <laughs> options always it's come It's nice with to have options. Yes. yes. Most of my options are fairly similar... Cream action slacks and a navy blue polo. Yes. In yeah. fact, I put on a green polo today with my cream action slacks because yes. I thought I won't put on the blue one because <laughs> he'll be in the blue one. In fact, I don't even know why I packed the blue one. It's British racing green. Yes, it's lovely. a lovely colour. Nice. Um, do you think Matt? Do you think luggage should actually match in general? Mm, not really. No, because I think it's a bit naff matching. I mean, obviously, you know, that's the thing. Yeah. But I think if you're genuinely going to go and buy luggage, you might have one or two that are similar. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't have them all matching. No. Like all the people that have Louis Vuitton luggage. Oh, yes, I know. Very common. Yes, it is common. Yeah, all, yeah. With the all matching. Yes. I was um, When I went to Florida, not this year, but the year before, there was this ghastly woman who was travelling first class. Yes. She was like a kind of Kardashian-type woman. Yeah. And they arrived and they'd got all of their luggage on a trolley that was being pushed by two men. It was one of the... It was all piled high. Oh. And all of the luggage was all matching. And I just, I wanted to shout, Common! <laughs> but American. But I didn't. In fact, the, um, the comedian Gary Gennetti, who I know, uh, writes in his book. Uh, he never, when he goes abroad, he doesn't, only takes hand luggage, doesn't take actual uh, stuff uh, in, in the hold. And because he's, he says, you look at the people at the airport, they've got loads of cases, and they're dressed atrociously. And you think, if that's what you're wearing today, what the heck's in the case? Quite. So I think it's a, it's a good thing if you can pack light. We can't. The McKay residence, the lady of the house speaking. Phone goes, though. Phone goes, Sheridan! It's not the captain trying to welcome her on board. No, she thought it might have been. No. And this conversation with Sheridan is probably the best conversation she has with Sheridan in the entire 44 episodes. Well, and it's some of the, some of the best writing in the whole episode, I think. Yes. I mean, it's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. The picture she paints... Because she's very pleased Sheridan has phoned because she wanted to speak to him just in case mummy sinks. Because she's going on board the QA2 and she says that she wants Sheridan, should she sink, to be very stern with the air sea rescue people. And she says, tell them in case I'm adrift at night, I should be wearing my hat with the diamante cluster. So I'll sparkle quite brilliantly in their searchlight. <laughs> I mean, that writing is brilliant. It's great. And it's such an image that, you know, the, the, and I've now watched Titanic because I'd never actually watched Titanic until very recently. I mean, I knew what happened, but I've never watched it. And I now watch Titanic <laughs> thinking of Hyacinth maybe being on that <laughs> ship. <laughs> Water gushing through every door and she's trying to find her, her hat with the antique Diamante cluster. Yes, I like the way she says Diamante Diamante. Diamante. Than, than Diamante. It's probably Diamante, correctly. Is it? Yeah, Diamante. It sounded very wrong to me. It sounded like one of those words that Hyacinth mispronounces trying to be clever. If I have to be winched up by helicopter, please would they provide trousers? We cross to Elizabeth and Emmett. And obviously, word has spread to them that mm. Hyacinth is off on the QE2. And Emmett seems quite excited about the prospect that she might not be safe <laughs> and she might sink. Yes. <laughs> Emmett, I think, is a psychopath. Yeah. 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 He, 
he's hoping that she might get lost overboard. Yes. I think she... I think Emmett... Actually, the, the character of Emmett over the four series that he's in, he does get more and more psychopathic. <laughs> <laughs> he, he genuinely wants... He becomes a, a sadist. He wants harm to come to hyacinth mm, it's not just start, it starts of like can she move and then it's no he he wants her to to drown <laughs> which is which is quite mean well, um, he doesn't want her to drown he just wants her to be lost overboard for yeah, like but you don't years, generally most yeah most people if you do go overboard <laughs> you don't you know you don't fall into sort of no, you, you know the four seasons or something like that or no. as they have here in dubai the two seasons the two seasons yes that's the hotel uh, there is a four seasons as well though Onslow and Daisy are driving in the Cortina, both looking, for them, quite smart. Yes, comparatively so. And this is the first moment where you think, now what's going on here? Where are they off to? Yes, because we should say, obviously, we've said in the synopsis, and everyone knows because this episode's been out for 30 years, that Daisy and Onslow end up on the QE2 as well. But at the time this episode was broadcast, and again, Harold Snowd writes about this in his book, he got the publicity department, he got all the press that were sent copies of the episode to review, not to reveal that Daisy and Onslow were on the QE2. So then people watching it, it became a surprise. I think, I mean, watching it now, I obviously know what happens. I think it's still, you probably could guess that that's sort of where we're going, particularly when you see them smart in the car. Well, we know they're going on a little holiday. They mention that. And they talk about how they should have told Hyacinth. Um, and then there's a little bit of dialogue around, well, you know, she's she's my sister, she's family. Um, we can't just pretend she's not there. No. So there, there's a certainly a suggestion that they may well be heading towards the QE2. But at that point, we certainly don't know why. No, we don't. Uh, Daisy starts to get a bit fresh with Onslow in the car. Oh, yeah, she shows him a bit of leg. Not very safe when you're driving. <laughs> We're back outside Wayne Elm and Richard's struggling with the luggage. Out come Emmett and Liz. And obviously earlier on in the episode, they have set up the idea that Hyacinth has been watching the old newsreels. Mm-hmm. We have a little reminder of that. Yes. And then out comes in just the best, out, one of her better outfits. Mm. And it's also, why I like it is it's, I don't think it's not that over... In the grand scheme of things, it's not actually that over the top. I think what makes it over the top is how she comes out and her gestures. And she does... She's got the uh, beige peep-toe slingbacks on. Mm. And as she comes out with that... She looks kind of like Dame Barbara Cartland. She does. uh, Mixed with the late Queen Mother. Mm -hmm. And she comes out and she does this gesture. And I like the fact that as part of it... The beige peep-toe slingbacks go to jaunty angle <laughs> on her front step. I love it. Um, it's great. Also, when she, she then walks over to talk to Liz and Emmett, and I hadn't ever noticed this until, again, I watched this with our forensic lens on. Watch it again next time. I think that outfit she's in had already been used in the field, the sequences that come later. Why is it Because you can sort of see a little bit of dirt or no. where the dirt was and they've washed it off. Really? I'm fair. I, look, I, I could be wrong. I don't know in what order they filmed it. We'll never really know. <laughs> but I'm fairly sure if you look at it again, you'll see in, in the areas where the dirt then goes later, it's a bit dirty. Right. Dark, darker patches. Well, there's another scene you've ruined for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> she says to, to Elizabeth and Emmett, Goodbye, my dear friends. Emmett, 
Be, be brave. brave. <laughs> I shall return. <laughs> <laughs> then they're in the rover. Yes. On the motorway. And there's a lovely moment. Did you pay much attention in Harold Snow's book to the the traffic jam motorway story and how they filmed it? Well, I did read it, but you tell them. Tell the bucket. Well, so th- they obviously wanted to be able to film what looks like a motorway mm. with a solid traffic jam. But it's quite hard to recreate that. You know, you can't always plan no. for there being holed up on the motorway. So they found a road that looked like a motorway and they arranged with the police they were going to do this on the day and they put a sign on the back of the rover filming for keeping up appearances we promise we'll only hold you up for one minute thanks and they had that on a sign on the back of the rover mm. and all of a sudden they the um the camera was on the front of the car filming inside and they together with the police brought the whole road to a standstill and Obviously, the camera is shot through the car, so you can see all the traffic backing up behind them. And they filmed the the dialogue. And thankfully, because they'd rehearsed it, they did it in one take. And in fact, they held up the traffic for less than one minute. But they genuine, genuinely brought traffic to a standstill for it. Which is great. Mm. And I guess, and also, you're, you're sort of at risk of the car behind. You don't want the car behind to be waving. Or, you know, there are all, so many things that could go wrong. Yeah. But it's, it's quite clever, really, yeah. what they did. Hyacinth is in the holiday mood, though. She is, yes. Before they get stuck in the traffic jam. She's. I mean, I don't think this is how Cunard operated in 1992-3, whenever this was filmed, um, released in 1993. But supposedly that the passengers handpicked from Debrett, now De, or Debrett's, it's sometimes called, <laughs> plural. Debrett's sort of are now sort of known for Eschket books, but actually, historically, they go back to the 1700s, they were, in effect, a telephone directory before telephones, and it was just a list of names with, you know, Jonathan Vernon Smith, your wife, your kids, and sort of, it's like you could see the family tree, what your title was, how you were dressed, uh, the children, etc. Um, so it was just a directory of the, the aristocracy, in effect. Uh, and then in the late 80s, they did their first etiquette book, and, and now they're 1980s, uh, and now they're sort of slightly known for that. Um, but I don't think, I don't think Hunard... It was just basically just pay the money, come on the ship. I mean, it's not, oh, are you in Debrett's? Great, you're on. Mm. But in Hyacinth's Warped, I don't think it ever was <laughs> like that uh, in her head. Although, of course, there was a member of the aristocracy on board, but we'll come on to we'll that later. We'll get to that later. She also thinks she's going to be piped aboard, <laughs> naturally. I mean, this yes. is the wonderful thing about Hyacinth. This is what's so endearing about her, really. And I think this is what quite a lot of us love about her, is that in her mind, she thinks she is so important. Yes. You know, and that, and we all know people like that. Yep. <laughs> we potentially are those people. <laughs> <laughs> we all know people who are a bit like that. So um, I, I think it's just very endearing, isn't it, where she's assuming that they'll Piper on board. Oh! Oh! That's probably the captain checking to see if I've arrived. We'll be back. Moment. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So... What are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Parents, do you worry about the news stories around climate change and the impact they have on your kids? What if I told you there was a podcast made just for families that brought together some of the world's biggest celebrities? We can make small changes that eliminate a lot of plastic in our lives. And the world's best scientists. So I thought, why not put all of this litter together and make it into a boat? Who all have good news to share. I'm James Stewart and this is Saving Planet Earth. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Bucketheads. You're listening to the first episode of our special two-part discussion on Sea Fever, the 1993 Christmas special of Keeping Up Appearances. And we are in a traffic jam with Hyacinth and Richard trying to get to Southampton. Oh, this is ridiculous. Now, I have seen this episode of Keeping Up Appearances, um, I would say, probably in excess of 20 times in my life. And this part of the programme genuinely every time makes me feel anxious because, as you know, I detest being late. I detest not being... So- I like to be somewhere a little bit early. Yep. I like to be prepared. When we met at the at the airport... You, you were there at least half an hour before I had even left home. Uh, I wanted to be there because I would rather be there and kill time rather than have any risk of not arriving there and missing my flight or anything like that. So I did get there. I got there a long time before you. You got to the airport at 9.36. Our flight was at 1.30. Yes. That's a heck of a lot of time. Yes, but we had access to a very exclusive lounge. We did, and we'll talk about that in a moment. We will. Um, (laughs) But I didn't want to miss a minute of red wine time. Of course, watching the, watching the scene now, this entire sequence where Hyacinth's map reading, she got the map the wrong way around eventually, and then, yes. she, then she just opens it on the, on the wrong page <laughs> yeah. and just picks She's around. She's in Norfolk, isn't yes. she? And they're down in Surrey. Yeah. yeah. Um, of course, now you wouldn't have any of this because you'd just have, you'd have sat-nav. Yeah. So you probably wouldn't get that, and it probably would tell you the traffic, and it would find another way for you if possible, but mm. it's, it's very much off the time. You are very good. I noticed this when we were on the road for our locations special episode, which you can listen to already. We were getting into some traffic on the way back, and you are very good. You pick the right lane to go into, the fastest moving lane. It's a skill. Yeah, it is a skill, and you've and got I, it spot And I on. get livid if I don't achieve it. Well, you achieved it. If how, I pick the wrong lane... Can you share any secrets as to how to do that? Very often, um, it's the middle lane. Oh. A lot of people move into the fast lane, and sometimes that can be. You have to... You, when, you're, when you're a quality driver, mm. um, you should always be scanning the road half a mile ahead yes. anyway. I was taught to do that on my Pass Plus. That's right. So when you're scanning the road ahead, you're trying to look at which lane is moving fastest. In my experience, very often it's the middle. Mm. Mm. Sometimes it's the what most of us refer to as the slow lane. Yeah. Because some traffic will be pulling off 
But yes, I, I do like to try and choose the correct lane. And yeah. I get very angry with myself if I fail. Well, don't beat yourself up. No. Well, I'm no. pleased that your, your impression of me was that I, I picked the correct it lane. It was very favourable. Good. Good. Um, my, my fav- one of my favourite lines is I, I do on train stations, I do on the London Underground, I do anywhere. How can they say it's quicker by train? <laughs> <laughs> and again, when I watched it with Mikey, he laughed. I went, it's a funny line. He went, no, I'm only laughing because I've heard you say it a million times. Right, yes. But it's, it's nice. It, it quickly becomes apparent that they are in trouble with this traffic jam. But Hyacinth says to Richard, have faith, Richard. We'll be there in no time. Exactly. Of course, we, the audience, know that that's not going to happen. No. And in fact, when you've already seen this episode, as many times as I have, you know that they're going to ultimately get to the ship. But every time I get unhappy and anxious about the whole nightmare process. And the the roads just get smaller and smaller and less major and less major. And it sort of ultimately ends up, they go through a Ford, which obviously was created for the the benefit of the programme. Yes, they, in Harold Snow's book, again, he said that they tried to find a road that had, had a fault. They couldn't. So in the end, what they did was they put um, tarpaulin down mm. on the road and then they got the local fire brigade to come fill the tarpaulin to create the the, the, the load of water. Um, and they, he says in the book that, you know, the fire brigade quite enjoyed doing it because normally they have to rescue people from floods rather than create a flood. <laughs> yes. When I watched, I watched this episode recently um, with my friend Jordan, uh, who I do uh, the Help Us Sex and My Boss podcast with, and he'd never seen this episode, so he obviously didn't know what was happening. It was very interesting watching it with someone who doesn't know what's happening. And obviously he knows it's the QE2 episode, but at this point he was saying, oh my God, I, I want them to be on the QE2. Why? Are they, ne- are they never going to make it? Is, mm. that the, is that the jeopardy of the episode? And actually, obviously they do, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But it was interesting seeing that actually he genuinely thought... Or maybe they don't ever end up. There's also another nice moment in the Harold Snow book where, um, because, and this has actually always struck me, that when they get stuck in the in the Ford and Richard has to take his shoes and socks off and get out of the car, um, the next scene is them driving. Mm. So the car has miraculously got out. Um, and I have always missed that moment where they, you know, how did they get out? I know yeah. they refer to it. There's a little talk about somebody towing them out. But you don't see it. But they did film the scene of a local farmer towing the rover out of the water. But because the whole episode went over, they had to cut that out. Which is yeah, shame. it is a shame. Because it could have been fun to have her sort of tilted backwards. Well, and she, she you could have had a real moment where, you know, people are watching and she's embarrassed and trying to hide with her hat. and Yeah. All, all <laughs> anyway, and they, they go down a very, very bumpy road, get stuck at the gate... Wonder if it's worth trying to find a telephone. What for? To inform the QE2 that we may be a little late. <laughs> I don't think so, Hyacinth. Now, this is where another classic moment occurs. So they've got to turn the car around, and Hyacinth gets very frustrated because Richard is becoming a bit defeatist. Mm. So she says, Oh, turn around in the field. So they drive the rover into the field and, of course, get stuck in the mud. And there's a lovely line that she says, which I, again, you know me, I sort of thought, oh, is that a bit of Shakespeare she's doing or is that a, a you know, a, a Milton or something, which is, what a fuss men do make sooner than, than admit they're an error. And I thought, oh, that, that sounds like it's a quote. Where is it from? No, it's no. That, no? Is, that is, as far as I'm aware, correct me if I'm wrong, Bucketheads, that is a Roy Clark. Hmm. But I, it just sort of sounds a little bit more... It does, I assume. It sounds a bit more educated, no. 
So they get stuck in the mud, and Richard says, you're going to have to get out and push. And she, me? I've never pushed anything in my life, she says. <laughs> have you ever pushed anything in your life? No, but I did. I think I've said this before. I got stuck in a, uh, in a, in a road in Cheshire during heavy snow, and I had a countess in the car. And we got stuck in the snow, and obviously I was insured to drive my car. Did you she make the wasn't. countess get out and push? Yes, and I said to her, I went... <laughs> I said, see, so you're not too posh to push. <laughs> Shouldn't find it funny. Um, <laughs> so the countess, she was in her 60s. Uh, she Hilarious. was an old countess. <laughs> oh dear, so that oh happened. Um, yes, and then obviously Hyacinth, the mask, I guess, slips... And it's really the only time, well, the only time verbally it slips. Mm. And she calls him Richard Bucket. You'll pay for this, Richard Bucket. Bouquet. Which is great. And as she's pushing the car, and Richard puts his foot down on the accelerator, and the wheel spins, and of course it absolutely splatters Hyacinth with mud. All over her lovely Barbara Cartland-esque dress, she's covered in mud. Which was potentially filmed before they were outside Wayne <laughs> Yes, as we now know. We go to Southampton Docks. Rod Stewart's We Are Sailing is being played by the marching band. And we see Liz and Emmett waving, which I think is, I mean, is especially given that 50% of that, that sort of pairing hate Hyacinth, is really sweet for them to drive a long way just to wave them off. Yes. It's a that, night. That, that, I'll be honest with you, that does feel a little bit Roy Clark nuts to me. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Where sometimes his, he stretches credibility a little bit. And the fact that, as you say, they've driven all those miles to come and wave them off. And of course, you know, oh, well, we want to make sure that she actually goes. I understand that point, but it's a mm. little bit peculiar. Yes. But of course, it does create for a nice moment as Hyacinth arrives. Yes, we see the lovely marching band and then through the middle <laughs> comes Hyacinth. And then she goes to the edge of the dock. The QE2 is sailing away. And she does, stop the, the ship. <laughs> Which I created here, yes. outside the QE2. Yes, so it's moored up here in Dubai, and there, there it is. And obviously there's not the distance, because it's permanently moored, there's not the distance that, that you had <laughs> uh, with, with the actual boat when it, was, when it was in service. And yes, you were there shouting. Although a lot of, a lot of your uh, followers on Twitter thought you were shouting Hertfordshire. <laughs> Bizarrely. <laughs> Which I don't stop. Can you just give us a stop the ship in your stop the ship? It was like that, wasn't it? Don't think that sounds like Hertfordshire. (laughs) (laughs) But lots of the comments, and they were like, Why are you shouting Hertfordshire? Dear, oh dear. Which is nice. I think they could have, I mean, it's a nice moment, but I think they could have made it even funnier. I think she could have had a fall. What, into the dock? No, before when she's stumbling through the the, the, uh, soldiers who are the band that are playing. I think she could have had a fall and a stumble and then got back up before then running and doing the stop the ship for a little bit of extra slapstick comedy. Yeah, true. You see, and, and actually going back to that scene that they cut of her being towed, which they did film, again, I'd love to see that. Like, where in the BBC is that footage? It's mm. probably lost. Probably. But I would love if someone could find that. Yeah. Of course, this is where the fact that Liz and Emmett have arrived at the dock is useful because they see her and they come down and they say what's happened to you at which point Hyacinth tries to adjust her hat she's She's still trying to be modest yes and I love her little uh little head wobble when Emmett's saying yeah we were held up but you know it was soon cleared and she goes "Mm, how nice for you yes 
And then we cut to the bridge of the QE2. And actually, minutes before we started this, this recording, you and I were in the bridge as well. One of the highlights of my life, William. And we recreated the scene that now happens, which is Michael Cochran, uh, the actor, very, very good sort of character actor. Again, Rob, mm. um, Harold Snowden would have been very familiar with his work, I'm sure. He's been in everything. Yeah, he's been in lots. Never as, I, I mean this in a nice way, never as the star, but has had a huge and wide, very career. I think he's even still working now mm. as sort of that classic RP character. Uh, and he was brought on board to be the ship's officer. Mm-hmm. It's not a named character, but it's just known as, as ship, ship's officer. And uh, although, I th- oh, actually, no, the captain calls it. To- he calls him Tony. Tony. He does call him Tony, but he's credited as ship's officer. And the captain in this episode was the genuine captain of the QE2. Yes, more on him shortly. Yeah, so he he was genuinely driving the ship, and Tony is sent to answer the phone because the phone on the bridge rings, and there's just a. A beautiful pause before he says, no, madam, I'm afraid we cannot go back for you. <laughs> and, of course, you, at that point, realise Hyacinth has managed to find the phone number for the bridge of the QE2 <laughs> and has managed to get through. And she's, bless her, the, the camera c- cuts to Hyacinth, who's on the end of the phone. She's crying. We see, we see genuine sadness and mm. devastation in her that she's missed the ship. She looks very upset. Yes, and... She she doesn't know what to do. She hopes that he's going to bring the ship. Back. Yeah, because it is just as simple as you know, turn around, come back, quickly stick her in one. reverse. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But good old Tony, the ship's officer, suggests that if they'd like to fly, fly to Copenhagen, mm. they could catch the ship up. And then we have the line written by Harold Snow, we know from his book. Now listen to me, my good man. Important as I am in local circles, I have not yet risen to the level where I can walk on water. Phenomenal line. Great line, probably one of the best lines in the show, and and then when he goes no fly, or you can see that like the the flip of the coin as she goes, oh my gosh, yes, yes, perfect, thank you. And then she says, Richard, come on, we're going to fly to Copenhagen. She calls yeah. it. We're flying to Copenhagen, and then there's one of my uh, this never fails to make me laugh out loud as she excitedly runs out of the room that she's phoned mm. the the ship's officer from. She yet again pulls a big wedgie out of her bum. <laughs> I don't know how it got stuck up there in the first place, but we won't we won't worry about that. <laughs> I, I always wonder who thought of that. Yeah, pull <laughs> pull the wedgie out of your bum as you're running. <laughs> was it something she thought would be funny? Yeah, was it in the script or not? Because <laughs> she's done it a few times in it. Yeah, she does. She, was it in the major fun. when she's running away from the major in series two? Yes, I think so. Yes, she does a wedgie. <laughs> <laughs> well, she undoes a wedgie. Undoes a wedgie. Yeah, yeah. she undoes a wedgie. Um, we're then at the airport. Uh, yes. KLM. Uh, she's flying with. Yeah, City Hopper. Yes. Now, this airport was actually Oslo Airport. It's not Copenhagen, mm. such as the docks, which we're coming on to, uh, were Oslo docks, not Copen- Copenhagen docks. So, yes, they're at the airport, and she asks for a nicer window seat so she yeah. can keep an eye on the engine yes. for, the, for the pilot. Uh, and there's all that lovely sequence about the bags. And actually, questions you don't really get asked today. You, nobody really says, have you packed these bags yourselves? I remember being asked those mm. questions on family holidays. Have you got any electrical appliances? Oh, yes. I've got a washing machine, <laughs> a liquidizer. Set, yeah. <laughs> it's lovely. Now, we didn't fly KLM, obviously, because no, we, we, we were coming from, uh, from London. Uh, we didn't need to fly to Copenhagen. We came to Dubai uh, for the QE2, managed by a core. But we flew 
British Airways. Indeed. Which I think Hyacinth, if she had her choice in that moment, obviously she was limited in flights, I think she would have flown British Airways. She would have flown British Airways, I'm quite sure. Um, I'm not sure that she would have, a bit like you, appreciated the person sitting next to her, though. No. Um, So obviously, British Airways, uh, (laughs) great airline, can't control, like any airline, you can't control the passengers. No. Uh, And there was a very young child and her mother sitting next to me. It was Uh, a boy, actually, (laughs) William. It's a little boy. Oh yes, there was a very young, <laughs> there was a very young child and his mother, and uh, his mother couldn't really be interested in the child, and he was um, feral, basically. <laughs> he wasn't feral. He just <laughs> was climbing over he the was divider. Just being a child wasn't making really. a noise. If the, every time the mother went to the loo, that was it. He had yeah. a separation anxiety yeah. and and screened the place down. Yeah. But other than that, it was a very nice flight. What I did appreciate, and Hyacinth would have loved this, it didn't exist in 93, but it exists now, uh, is the first class wing at Heathrow Terminal 5. Oh, yes. Yes, Yes, we hobnobbed with all the celebs. Oh, yeah, we did see someone. Yes, we We did. did, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, we didn't talk to them, but we saw them. (laughs) Um, But yes, you you go in to to the right as you come into Terminal 5, and it's a whole... Separate check-in, incredibly quick. Yeah. Separate security. And they had calm. some very nice um, horse statues. Yes. <laughs> no, we're laughing at the horse statues. Uh, they're lovely. They they're are. Sort of, they are. They're, Beautiful. Yes. Very lifelike. What is odd? And I don't... <laughs> And I think actually they're not. Ju- I think there's one, there's a horse up in the in the business class lounge from memory as well. Is obviously they're very as Jonathan says very lifelike. Yeah. But they've got the horses bum holes. They've got bum holes, and I was trying to concentrate on something you were saying, and this horse's bum hole was just staring at me. And it's just like, why put that in? Yeah. Like if when you're doing when you you're doing the mould of this life size horse, just have a nice smooth. Exactly. Or have the tail coming down. Mm. Anyway, so if you're if you're flying British Airways first or business class, um, check out the bum hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but and also the the wine was excellent. Oh, it was. Oh, yes, even at ten o'clock in the morning. And also, I had a gin first. They you did. They pour, you saw it being poured. I did. Well, yes, you, I you went to, to get the, it. I I commended him. I said you. My good man, know how to pour a gin and tonic. He a, gave you a triple gin and tonic. That was very generous. Yeah. I did not get on the flight inebriated, we should just say. I was in a... I, I could work out where I was. <laughs> Thank goodness. We were at Gatwick. Yes, we didn't have to be <laughs> taken to the gate on one of those little golf buggies. No. Uh, but anyway, Hyacinth then gets on the plane. We see her again tell the baggage handler to please be careful with her set of matching executive luggage with genuine leather embellishments yep. and initials. Yeah. Uh, off she goes... Uh, then we get to Copenhagen docks. They arrive in a taxi. Yes. And she is just like my mother at this point, because my mother cannot, in the first like, couple of days of her holiday, she forgets where she is and she forgets which language. She right. said Grazie in France. She said uh, Dankeschön in uh, the Netherlands, She's, which actually is sort of semi-close. But <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she and Hyacinth gets out the taxi and goes, Muchas gracias, my young man. Yeah, she, well, she can't even get that right. Muchas gracias, young man. <laughs> She says. <laughs> it's lovely. And then poor Richard has to bring over all of those cases yeah. uh, over to the to where they're sitting. Hyacinth goes a little bit xenophobic, where she completely confuses the Swedes and the Danes. Mm. 
Um, they're all the same. She's worried about being left with Danes. Danes? Danes, yes, a very old seafaring nation. Danes? Aren't they the ones who used to attack us in the Dark Ages? And then when Richard points out that the Danes are, you know, historically, not now, but historically, have been quite violent, uh, she starts singing uh, Rule Britannia. Rule Britannia. There'll always be an England. And all of that. Um, <laughs> they fall asleep. The horn goes. Yes, because they're very early for the ship. Yes. Early. Yeah, so they've, they've beaten the ship. They've, they have made up time. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it's on the wrong side of the dock. And still at that point, Jordan was thinking, they're still not going to get on this no. ship. But they do manage to get on the ship. They certainly do. And that's where we'll leave it this week. Now, if you want to keep up with the bouquets, you can listen to William and me chatting through every episode of Series 1, 2, 3 and 4, as well as our Behind the Candelabra specials talking to the vicar and my sister Daisy. We're always in need of your help to let other people know about the world of Hyacinth Bouquet and our luxury podcast. So if you wouldn't mind letting them know, quicks the word, sharps the motion, we'd be very grateful. You can also leave us a review on most podcast platforms, whether that's a written one or just a star rating. Five stars only, please. We'll return next week to continue our discussion on Sea Fever. See you then. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.